0: Welcome back to another episode of Data Gurus. This is Sima Vas, your host. I started podcasting nearly three years ago with the main mission of learning. And I realized as I learned, I could actually share my learning with the industry at large or whoever was interested in listening. Recently, I just went through the archives and I picked a couple episodes that I thought were quite interesting, but also represent some of the diversity that we have in our industry. Take a listen.
1: The world around us is changing faster than ever before. From automation, artificial intelligence, big data, geolocation, to every aspect of how we work and live. This includes data. Welcome Welcome, to Data Guru's podcast. Our mission is to bring you a real-life perspective on what's happening in the industry and how successful companies and individuals in this niche navigate through the sea of change. Encouraging you to be bold, be, bold, be brave, and be brave. fearless. Let's navigate the data ecosystem together. Welcome, Welcome to the Data Gurus Podcast.
0: Welcome, Mario Carrasco, who is the co-founder and principal of ThinkNow Research. Welcome, Mario.
2: Thank you, Sima. Thanks for having me.
0: Thanks for joining me, and we're talking about such an important topic, and I know you're, the company that you co-founded focuses on multicultural research, strategy, understanding. Tell me a little bit about how you got started and what your company is focused on today.
2: Yeah, so my background is actually in marketing, so previous to getting into market research, which is going to be, I guess, a little bit over... I want to say 10 years now, but it's more like 13, 14 years. I was in early days of digital marketing at MSM Latino, which was owned by Microsoft at the time, and had a terrible commute, so was looking for a job closer to me. And I found a company called Garcia Research that was looking for someone to build an online panel. And I was building online communities, kind of microsites for MSM Latino, targeted at Hispanics, and I had really no idea what a panel was or research panel. But after kind of digging into it in preparation for the job interview, I said, you know, this is something that I could do. And so I got my start in market research building, what became to be one of the first nationally representative panels at Garcia Research. And that panel within about two years led to its, the company's sale, Garcia Research to Knowledge Networks, and then subsequently GFK. And so at the time, the EVP Roy Kukoyachuk, who was at Garcia Research and hired me and I didn't go along for the sale because we realized that, you know, there was still a need for a company, a market research company specifically to be around that was focused on multicultural consumers. You know, given that all the growth numbers back then and which are actually bigger than when we started the company now, but all the growth numbers back then were pointing to country, you know, the US being a minority majority country in the near future. So that's what really what Think Now was built on. And you know, and kind of in the early days of market research and specifically like Hispanic research, companies were hesitant to use emerging technologies. You know, right back then it was online, now it's mobile. But we had realized that multicultural consumers, I mean and specifically when you look at Hispanic consumers, are actually super tech savvy. So we wanted to apply all these innovative technologies that the general market was using and other market research companies to multicultural consumers. And so that's really been the ethos of Think Now since our founding is applying these innovative research technologies to multicultural consumers.
0: So let's talk about definitions. What is multiculture? How do you define it?
2: Yeah, that's contentious conversation. But I mean, really, at the basic level, it's non-Hispanic consumers that are not non-Hispanic white, right? So, and traditionally that's segmented into Hispanic, African-American, and Asians, which are the largest cohort of multicultural consumers in the U.S. And so just looking at those three groups, Hispanic, African-American, and Asian, that's 40% of the U.S. population.
0: Wow. And that's estimated to grow as well, right?
2: That's estimated to grow, right? I mean, one of the kind of elephants in the room as a nation maybe it's not maybe the cats out of the bag but you know non-hispanic whites are actually kind of declining in population in terms of birth numbers right what's really driving population growth right now are US Hispanics so and this is US births Asian immigration Asians are the fastest growing immigration population in the US while Hispanics are the largest, right? And, you know, their growth is really driven by U.S. birth.
0: When you say Asian immigration, you mean immigrants coming into the country?
2: Immigrants coming into the country. Asian immigrants. Yes. And so, you know, there's, the country is really changing in a fundamental way from a demographic perspective. And, you know, our company is dedicated to helping other companies figure out what that means, what, from a marketing standpoint, from a purchase standpoint, right? Because, of course, you know, ethnicity and race is weird thing, right? It's like, it, it's a construct. What we're talking about is more the culture that's attached to that. And so research is a powerful way to kind of untangle what that means and what that means for brands.
0: And it's interesting because it's not each of those segments of populations that you just talked about are unique within themselves as well, right? Yeah. So it's much more complicated in terms of how you think about it. I think typically when we think about, oh, we got to think about all representation and ethnicities, but even within ethnicity or culture, there's further refinement and segmentation within those groups.
2: You're right. Yeah. I mean, I think Hispanics are the most likely group to be kind of bunched together because, you know, we share a language, but there's 26 country of origins, right? All of which with a unique culture, you know, Mexican. Americans are the largest group within that, but we see now actually Pew just released something last week. Venezuelans are the fastest growing and they come, you know, with a completely different food, music, culture, and then Asians, right? I mean, that's lump Asians together, but I mean, such a wide variety. I mean, that's, you know, you don't even have shared language there. Even when you look, dig into countries like China and India multitude of languages spoken within those countries. So yeah, each of them are really complex when you start to dig in.
0: So, you know, outside of kind of your origin of country and language, what do you think really defines culture? I've been thinking about this, like, is it religion? But then countries have different religions, so it can't be religion. Like, what is the core underlying definition of culture? And again, you might not know the answer. I'm sure you've spent a lot of time thinking about it.
2: Yeah. I'll answer that a couple ways. I mean, I think it's about values. I think when you distill it down, it's like each culture values different things. And more succinctly, each culture, we all value the same things, right? Like family, of course, is going to be important, but it's how much weight that has in each culture. So for example, I just got back. We have a great team of project managers on the panel side in India. And so I was in Mumbai last week and we had a team out there and great guys and we have about seven people out there they have families and they we were talking about kind of differences in the u.s versus india culture and one of our team members you know i would guess he's probably in our 40s was telling me how he still asks his father for permission when making big decisions right and that was interesting to me, right? I mean, that's when we talk about culture, I think things like that is, is when you look at American culture, it's, Oh, so, I mean, we're probably at the opposite spectrum of that, right? We define ourselves by making decisions on our own. One of my favorite research projects, I think that really highlights what we do, I think now and what represents culture is a study that we did for Honda. And I can talk about this study because they use it as a case study, but they wanted to look at Hispanic males and their purchase behaviors when it comes to their Honda Ridgeline. So they know that Hispanic males are, in the U.S., one of the largest purchasers of pickup trucks. But for whatever reason, the Honda Ridgeline wasn't top of mind for Hispanic males. And so what they wanted to do is kind of take a step back and understand, you know, what are some of the drivers for Hispanic males in terms of pickup trucks? Why are they over-indexing and purchasing of this car? and we did some online qual and, and then followed that up with a quant survey but the insight that drove their marketing campaign was about being known as the person in a family or group of friends that's there to help so for example you know most of us in the US when someone's moving our friends or family right we're busy, right? Like, that's like the worst ask. Like, I know, do you have a truck? Can you help me?
0: There's not enough pizza or beer that can cover that ask.
2: (laughs) Right, right, right. Yeah. But what we found in the study is that it's the opposite for Hispanic males. Like they like that person that go to guy in the family when they need to move a large item or when they need to move. And that's one of the main drivers for having a pickup truck. That's interesting. So when you ask me, you know, what is it that defines culture? I think it's things like that, like those mm-hmm. values where we all share these values. We all want to help, but it's in different ways. And each culture has a different way of expressing those values.
0: I actually also, I'd be interested in your perspective. I also think culture or how culture plays out can be seen in how communities take care of their elders or how they treat their elders. I think so much can be learned about a culture as it relates to like the example that you gave about the gentleman in India. It's like in India, you know, your age is a proxy for wisdom. You know, the older you are, the more lessons you've learned, the more things you've gone through and hence you have wisdom. And when I ask you for advice, I cherish it because I cherish your wisdom and I can go on just because of my Indian background, and you take care of your elders, and they live with you and everything else. But, you know, when you travel and go to other countries, and even within the sub communities, the US, I do find the way that people treat their elders gives you some insight into culture. I don't know what you think of that. What are your thoughts on that?
2: That's very true, right? And that's another value, right, is the importance that our elders play, or more specifically, our parents, right, and family. And also, like, who are you defining as your family?
0: That's right.
2: Because it's similar in Latino culture, right? That's what was really cool having this conversation in India, right? It's same thing and but I'm bicultural too. There's that whole nuance. I was born in the US, so from that perspective, I'm not asking my dad for permission.
0: No, me too. Exactly.
2: But I get it. Like I understand the importance of that. But you're right. I mean, things like that, right? How you treat your elders and interestingly ARP is one of our main clients and we've been helping them do a lot of work on targeting the Hispanic community to start thinking about retirement and how they're going to be taking care of their elders because you know Hispanics are they're starting to age and my generation is starting to having you know to think about taking care of our parents because it's set up much differently in this country you know ARP wants to understand What are those differences? You know, what are the barriers to getting Hispanic millennials to start thinking about that? So you're right. I mean, that's another aspect, I think, of culture, how we treat our elderly, how we think about family.
0: I'm sure your family or potential friends, family is like, wait, I came to America to give you a better life, not for you to necessarily adopt every value here. (laughs) It's that constant tension, I would say.
2: And that's what's super interesting about what we do here, because when you start to do research like these values, you know, whether you're talking about ARP or Honda, you see what first gen, second gen, Latin and Asians are picking and choosing. And I think there's this misconception about acculturation that in the industry, and I'm talking about marketing, that the longer you're in the U.S., the more American you become, like it's this linear model. But it's actually not that. It's more, yes, you are integrating some aspects of American culture, but there are some things about your home culture or your parents' or grandparents' culture that retains over time. So it's more of this duality or bidimensionality that's happening.
0: I think it's interesting because so many people want to understand quote-unquote level of acculturation. And I think we've seen, you know, what's the primary language spoken at home who's your family composition within the home and a series of other questions that kind of give indicators as to quote unquote, the level of acculturation, but I'm not sure it's that straightforward.
2: Yeah, I a hundred percent agree with you. And it's something that we use because our clients use, and when we try to educate them about looking at other aspects, but for, if, if I take an acculturation algorithm, it's going to say that I'm extremely acculturated, but so I don't watch Spanish language TV I don't listen to Spanish language radio or music, but Spanish was my first language. I'm fluent. You know, I visit my grandparents in Mexico, instilling, you know, Mexican values and culture to my children is really important. But if I take this, if I took an acculturation algorithm, you would think that I'm fully acculturated. And so I think there's other aspects that people miss. And so, and I mean, the main thing in our opinion, and we've done some work with the journal for cultural marketing, where we came up with what we call the bi-dimensional identity measure. And it's essentially combining two scales, the American identity measure and the ethnic identity measure. And so one of the, I think it's about 15 total questions. And one is essentially measuring how American you are, quote unquote, and how ethnic you are, quote unquote. And what we see is that depending on your ethnicity, You know, you're going to be scoring differently across these different measures. And so as opposed to acculturation, which assumes this linear progression, the longer you're in the U.S., we really should be looking at what aspects of culture we're retaining and what aspects, you know, in terms of home culture and what aspects are we integrating from American culture.
0: And I would has two points. And I would say, I think it's interesting you as a first generation here and understanding how much culture I've personally retained, it plays out in terms of how you raise your children or how we've raised our children, right? You realize like, oh, that did stick with me. I'm keeping that part. It's interesting, right? Because you never really think about it until you have to form another human being and kind of guide them through the
2: process. It's so true. Yeah, no, totally. And even, I mean, I found even things that I thought I didn't necessarily want to retain, I realized, oh, wow, it is important to me.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
2: You know, when you have children, the language thing is tough for me. I don't know about you. Like I said, I was going to speak Spanish at home and it just didn't happen.
0: Yeah, same here. It just, (laughs) same. But, you know, instead of beating myself up, I kind of say, look, I've held on to some things. So that's good. Yeah. And I think the other piece that I think rips right through culture is social media. I think that's, it'll be interesting to see As the next generation, like the younger generation, how social media might impact the values as it relates to culture?
2: I mean, yeah, and I think for me personally, like I've realized about social media and the internet in general, I'm actually able to connect to my culture in a way that I didn't when, you know, pre internet. Like, there's so many memes that are related to my Mexican American background, you know, the team, you know, make like people in my generation making fun of the. Mexican soap operas that my parents watched, like, like things that I would have totally forgot, you know? So I think in a way, like social media has helped second gen and third gen Hispanics and Asians in this country retain pieces of their culture that otherwise would have been forgotten or lost.
0: Forgotten, right, lost in their memories forever. Yeah. Yeah, that's actually a good point.
2: Another interesting thing, like, you know, speaking of soap operas, I don't know if you've heard, but like there's this whole business model of a company in the us that has taken you know Indian Bollywood films and dubbed them in Spanish, which is like genius because it's you know culturally like the shows are very you know uh, similar like very overly dramatic yes <laughs> the music yeah the music bombastic storylines and so someone had the idea of hey let's just take you know this content's already there we have an audience let's translate it you know and I think that's another it points to that, right? Things that would have never happened in a way retaining culture as well.
0: Yeah, that's so true. So tell us some things to consider when doing multicultural marketing. What are some do's and don'ts in your mind?
2: Yeah, I think we hit on some of it, like don't generalize, you know, figure out, you know, who's your consumer one? I think a lot of the time companies get wrapped up and they think about multicultural They think about all these complexities like Hispanic, African-American, Asian, and then they just throw their hands up like, I'm going to do what I'm going to do. I think figuring out, right, maybe you don't have a large enough Hispanic consumer base to put effort there. You know, maybe it's mainly Asian consumers, right? So focusing and figuring out within Asian, is it, you know, are the majority of Asian consumers, you know, Chinese, Indian, Korean, Vietnamese, figuring out who that consumer is? And doing the research, of course, I'm biased <laughs> being in market research, but it's so important because, you know, in the span of this time that we've been talking, right, 20 minutes, we talked about all these different the complexities within each of these curves. And I think doing your research beforehand, one, who your consumer is, and then delving deeper into defining who that consumer is within that sub-segment, doing that alone, you're going to be ahead of the game. And it focuses your strategy more so that you avoid these faux pas that we've been seeing time and time again by big brands and these faux pas are like every time I see these happen either on social media or on television like it seriously could have been solved in like a five question survey right
0: so give us some of the faux pas that you've seen
2: oh man what's the most recent one that I can think of so who was the brand you might remember they portrayed eating like pizza with chopsticks
0: oh I don't remember that
2: yeah, I think it might have been a fashion brand or something like that. Okay. It might have been like an Italian fashion house. And it was just like a really bad attempt at, I don't know what the message was, but it, it was an Italian fashion house because they were, you know, Asians and Asian Americans, you know, huge purchaser of luxury goods. I mean, one of the largest in the world, right? If you look at like Louis Vuitton, et cetera. So I think it was one of those large fashion houses, and they were trying to target the Asian consumer and they had portrayed, you know, someone trying to eat pizza with chopsticks and it was kind of like bumbling. Right. And so, I mean, that's a huge faux pas that could have been easily fixed, like before even going into production, like asking an Asian consumer base. I mean, even if you asked one Asian person, they'd be like, don't do that.
0: That's right. Yeah. (laughs) Not a good idea.
2: They didn't even have to do a full on survey, but like if they did a survey, And with the telematics or like, you know, read this paragraph of what we're trying to do, it could have been easily resolved.
0: Well, on a separate note, I'm excited that you're going to be our new board member on the SampleCon team. So welcome officially
2: aboard. Thank you. Yeah, that's exciting. I think this is the first time it's going to be public.
0: Yeah, I think it's, you know, to your point and to this whole conversation, I think it's a great addition to our board in terms of being able to represent a broader spectrum of consumers through our data collection and another perspective. So that's exciting.
2: Yeah, I'm really excited to be on board. I think it's perfect timing. It's exciting time in the industry and yeah, looking forward to contributing.
0: That's awesome. Well, Mario, thank you so much for joining me today. I really enjoyed the conversation and I'd love to continue it in the future.
2: Thanks, Seema. Thanks for having me and thanks for listening, everyone.
0: Thank you.
1: Teams are in flux, but you still have to get your research in field. Partnership with Paradigm Sample means you get our expert focus on every detail of your project. We have access to over one million consumers and many business professionals who are eager to voice their opinions and participate in traditional and non-traditional online studies, whether it comes to sampling programming and hosting services or consultation we are agile and quick to meet your needs visit paradigmsample.com today thank you for tuning in to data gurus podcast this episode has ended but your exploration doesn't have to head over to www.dataguruspodcast.com and access all the resources and links mentioned in today's show You'll also find bonus content available to our podcast listeners exclusively. Exclusively. That's www.dataguruspodcast.com. Until next time, be bold, be brave, and and be fearless.